This week on the Cinequatmists, an explosive Bond sequel, a flat ukulele sequel, and Phil and I discuss the newest sequel in the X-Men universe, Dark Phoenix. back to the Cynical Optimist podcast for administering through the ears only. I am Phil. And I am Nick. This week, it's the end of an era, what started in, I think, 2001 with the original X-Men is now coming to an end with the release. Uh, was it the late Dark 90s? Phoenix. I think it, it might have been, been the late 90s. Yeah, I think it's real old school. Hold on, the box the first... is right here. Let me have a look. Um... That doesn't say on it. Oh, what use is this? Well, okay, says, let's give it... It says 2000 to 2016 on the copyright. Ah. Oh, X-Men is a 2000 film. Ah. Yeah, there I know. Yeah, I've got this massive computer in front of me. <laughs> Either um, way, it's the end of that. It's almost 20 years. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, this new film, Dark Phoenix, is it going to be a burning send-off to the franchise, or will it... Be a garbage fire. Hey, I like it. Find um, out later on. <laughs> but before that, uh, it's the film, TV and gaming news of the week. Hey Phil, how we doing? Doing alright. Good. Now I've got some TV news. Um... <laughs> Did you uh, did you see they did a DC Universe uh, Swamp Thing TV show? I heard about it. I haven't seen anything. Yeah. I just saw some headlines about it. Okay, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was this James Wan-produced horror series that everyone really liked. They thought it was this really cool, dark thing to get everyone into the DC subscription service. Uh, yeah, well, it's been cancelled after one episode. <laughs> oh, DC. Oh, DC. <laughs> You don't know what you're doing, do you? <laughs> it's just um, a frightened yeah. little chicken at the controls, hitting buttons with its with its be- beak. <laughs> well, it, <laughs> it already got some like really sort of glowing. Re- it already built up a bit of a fan base, it seems, because I mean, as soon as this this news was announced, there was people kicking up, being like, oh, "What are you doing? We like this. Why do you take the things away that we actually like?" Um, I was going to say I'll, I'll give it a go and check it out on, on the internet at some point, but um, I don't think I'll bother because now... What's the now point? Yeah, exactly. What's the point? What is the point? Um, slightly brighter DC news. Well, it's not really news. We've got the poster for Wonder Woman 84. Did you see that? Yes, it's nice and bright and colourful. Nice and bright and colourful because that's the thing now. Um, they tried, tried cr- dark and gritty. Yeah, Chris Nolan led the charge on Dark of Gritty since 2005 and then I think Thor Ragnarok was responsible for a bit of a change around maybe yeah no it very much made me think of Thor Ragnarok and the colours yeah. choices and the design choice yeah. so it's nice to know that DC have stopped trying to do try, stop trying to replicate their own success and mm. now just trying to copy some of the Marvel stuff just follow what's trendy exactly yeah um, yeah but otherwise um, costume looks good it's, like, it's a very different costume actually to the first one mm. big and bright and gold um, Patty Jenkins returning obviously Gal Gadot returning Chris Pine returning yeah that's a question mark isn't it yeah but uh, it sounds good I'm I wouldn't be surprised if they just hand wave it away they're like look the DC films don't fall into a continuity we've given up on that <laughs> Not even the sequels follow on from the originals now. <laughs> um, when does that release? I think did it get pushed back recently? I think it was going to be it was going to be this year, right? I think I've kind of lost track of the DC movies because I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh yeah, June fifth, twenty twenty. So it was originally supposed to be November this year, but. 
So November's just getting thinner and thinner. Now, first, no Sonic. Now, no Wonder Woman. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no Sonic. <laughs> what will I see if there's no Wonder Woman or Sonic? Well, I'll tell you what you'll see, but not in November. Um, nice. Are you interested in a new <laughs> uh, Mattel movie based on a popular children's toy? Oh, God. Guess. Is this what Barbie the movie? No. I'll I'll give you a clue. It's a horror movie. I'm trying to think what toys Mattel make. (laughs) The only thing I can think of is Action Man. I don't think they make that. No, wouldn't be a very good horror movie either. No, that's what I was thinking. (laughs) Ah, give up. Tell me. Magic Eight Ball. (laughs) What? Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> There's a horror movie of the Magic Eight Ball coming. Um, Mattel is backing it. Uh, they're aiming for a 90 minute script. <laughs> and I, I'm guessing it barely gets over the 90 minute line. Probably. Yeah. Uh, God, that sounds little, uh, awful. We've got a little Blumhouse uh, tagline here. Since the 1950s, Magic 8-Ball has inspired imagination, suspense and intrigue across generations. This iconic toy has a built-in connection with fans and untapped potential for storytelling. Wasn't the Magic 8-Ball film already kind of Shazam? Oh yeah, that was in that, right. And in the original Toy Story. Yeah, so... What? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Uh, sure. Sure. (laughs) it's probably got to be better than, uh, what do we call it? Battleship. Was that Mattel? I don't don't know, but yeah, I was going to say, you can't be struggling to do much worse. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there's proof that things like this can work, because obviously Clue's a decent movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean I is it? <laughs> I said decent for a reason, like, it's not okay. good. Yeah. But it's, I'm, you know... I'm... I'm still Possibly. worrying about the some of the some of the the humour in that movie. I'm not sure if it quite comes across as okay or not, or just ironic. I'm not really sure. Oh yeah, right it's in. definitely a is Clue a good is Clue a good movie? Is Clue a topical movie? Who knows? Is Clue even a movie? Is Clue or a movie? Or is it just a collective <laughs> hallucination we all had? <laughs> should it be called Cluedo? Yes, it should. Uh, right, what else have we got? Uh, Bond 25, you know that's still happening without a title. I wouldn't be surprised if it just ends up being called hashtag Bond 25 just for the real <laughs> social media push. And it's going to be a live stream, a terrible live stream. <laughs> I just want to reiterate, like, I think people should go and watch that live stream because it's just like, it's almost an artwork in itself. A good, a good, bad press event is always yeah. like... It's like that Sonic <laughs> one from a few years ago that we covered. Oh yes, genius. Um, yeah, it's just it's it's surreal. You hear they're, they're interviewing like a producer, and you, you can just hear someone talking like really loudly in the background over the top of the interview. It's it's nonsense. And they didn't reveal the title. They didn't review. They didn't reveal a trailer. It was just like the polar opposite of that Star Wars live conference that came just before it. But. Mm. Um, Anyway, sorry, the news now is after the delays from the director leaving, uh, then the delay from Daniel Craig shattering his ankle, uh, now there's been an explosion on set um, that has damaged Pinewood Studios. Wow. Yeah, so um, it was originally supposed to be a controlled explosion for a stunt. Um, Crew member outside the stage sustained a minor injury. Uh, The exterior of the stage was damaged. This was in London. Yeah, it's just, uh, I'm not sure this film is ever going to happen. <laughs> I think troubled production's an understatement at this point. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? It might pull it out of the bag. Could be the next Casino Royale. Oh, by the way, I went to the secret cinema of Casino Royale the other day. Oh, that that happened. How was it? Did you yeah. dress up? It. Uh, yes, well, you kind of had to wear colours. That was sort of... Um, you got given a colour that you had to wear and then you had to find someone with the bouquet of flowers with that colour. Um, it was really cool, yeah. Um, it was really sort of immersive. I won't go into detail because obviously like, some people might then go and watch it and it's 
it's better if you kind of experience it for yourself. But um, yeah, the next one is, I don't know if I covered it in the news a few weeks ago, but the next one is Stranger Things and tickets are on sale now. It's really mm. cool. It's really cool. It's in London. Um, it's a really nice immersive way of, of watching things. Like, I'm not super keen on, like, because they, the thing I struggled a bit with it is they kind of turned it into a bit of a challenge and a bit of a game, and I'm not sure how I feel about kind of, like, I'm, I'm all about immersing myself in sort of an environment and stuff, yeah. but, like, the fact, the fact that you have to kind of, like, act as well. Yeah, no, that's more than I was it's expecting. For- I was expecting it just to be dress up in appropriate clothing yeah. Come to a place that's dressed up appropriately and watch the movie. Yeah. Well, because the problem is, like, at least half the people you're sort of... Because you're trying to, like... They kind of make you go and, like, find someone specifically in the crowd. And then you have to talk to, like, randomers. And if they're not into it fully, then you're not into it fully. And it's just kind of like... Yeah, let's just go yes. to the bar. It's very much based on, I'm guessing, the the people who bought tickets because I'm guessing they've had some absolutely cracking nights where everyone was like really into it. Yes. But there's got to be an e- almost equal number of nights where everyone's just like, I want to watch the movie. Yeah. Also, I, um, I bumped into a friend of mine <laughs> who was a actor at the secret cinema and it was kind of, <laughs> it was a very awkward interaction because I was like, Hey man, how's it going? And he just kind of completely ignored me because obviously I, I imagine they've been told like you've got to stay in character the whole thing. He's but got like just an like... electric electric bracelet on. If he breaks character, he gets a shock. <laughs> Hi, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of an awkward interaction, but um, no, it's definitely it's, it's definitely worth doing because it's um, it's a really cool like the production value is insane. Um, but anyway, I di- I diverse. Um, have you seen the trailer for Le Mans sixty six? Yes. Have you? Okay, this isn't. This is a bit out of our ballpark. <laughs> Don't sound too but... surprised. <laughs> well, normally I ask you if you've seen a trailer for a a thing that we actually cover and you haven't seen it. So I mean, like the fact that we've, you've seen a, the fact that you've seen this film about a race in the sixties, like it, it it does surprise me. I enjoyed um, Rush. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, Ron Howard did that. This is uh, James Mangold, mm. who did who did Logan, and he did Walk the Line, the Johnny Cash biopic as well. Um, this looks really good. I'm interested, yeah, because yeah. Um, like I think a lot of the racing films I've seen have all been really good. So mm. I like Christian Bale. I like, obviously, it's Matt Damon as well, isn't it? Matt Damon, Christian Bale, yeah. Um, yeah, this isn't our, our usual ballpark, but um, it's James Mangold who, who did, like, Logan, which... Did that win? Did that sweep our awards when we did that year? It won at least one award, and to be fair, it's connect, it's tangentially connected to our conversation. So this this is the director who directed a film that won at least one Synopt award, ladies and gentlemen. This is this is a big thing. We don't just give those away. I know it won at least one award. We don't even know which one, but it won at least one. <laughs> well, it all written down somewhere, but I'm not looking it up now. <laughs> um, so yes, this is definitely worth a watch. Check out the trailer. It's a 20th Century Fox film. When does it release? Ah, here you go, November. Yeah, I was just thinking. I think it's November because I. Yeah, we are was... plugging the November gap. <laughs> so it means it's going to have less competition. Yeah. I imagine. There's Sonic's big, out, <laughs> Wonder Woman's out. There's a big overlap in the audiences for those free films. <laughs> well, it's about things going fast. Yeah, yeah. and it yeah. takes place in the past. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, got, uh, it's got a DC actor in it, Christian Bale. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I can't imagine the family that stood at the cinema like, okay, votes for Sonic. Okay, votes for Wonder Woman. Votes for Le Mans. <laughs> okay, it's a draw. <laughs> um, but oh yeah, I haven't really explained the premise of it. It sort of covers the the it basically covers the Le Mans race of 1966. There was a little documentary about it on the Grand Tour recently. Basically, it's about the the rivalry between um, Ford and Ferrari. Yeah, which is what it's called in the US. It's called Ford versus Ferrari in the US. Um, it looks really interesting. Yeah, very, very excited to see that. Yeah, no, um, I'm actually interested as well. 
Yeah, fill that November gap.、Um, mm. And the last thing we've got on here is we've got a, a release date for the Uncharted movies. This is a bit of a tie-in towards the next top,、uh, the next subjects, which will be gaming news.、Um, Sony is producing this one. It's going to release in December 2020. So that's quite a narrative gaming series. It's by Naughty Dog, who did like、uh, lots of big games, Jack and Daxter. I think they did The Last of Us most recently. So oh yeah, did they do that?、Uh, what did you call it? What Watch Dogs? Or am no, I just, that's Ubisoft. Is it just got? Is it just because it's got dogs in the title? Yeah, you're just thinking that. You're just making that dog connection. They didn't make the game about taking pictures of the dogs either. That was that's an indie developer. Ah,、oh, okay. <laughs> the dog, the dog connection. That sounds like a great <laughs> movie.、Um, but yeah, you excited for this? I've, I'm going to be honest. I've never played a game. I've never played any of the games, but you know,、yeah. we're in an era where there's been at least one good video game movie. So you know, yeah, be, and this is in a whole new era of filmmaking. And this is directed by the guy who did Ten、uh, Cloverfield Lane, Dan Trachtenberg. Ten、um, Cloverfield Lane is an excellent movie, apart from the last ten minutes, but we won't talk about that.、Um, definitely worth a watch if you get the chance at some point.、Uh, starring Tom Holland. Yeah, that's what I thought was quite interesting because Nathan Drake is shown to be a bit more older Old. and grizzled. Than、yeah. Tom Holland, so I wouldn't、yeah. be surprised if it's some kind of origin movie. But everyone loves Tom Holland. He's going to get all the kids in. <laughs> I just can't imagine him doing like a serious role. No, I know. <laughs> yeah, bless him. Do you see that interview of him and Chris Hemsworth? No, is that recent? Yeah, it was quite funny. You should check it out on YouTube. They did a、uh, like a cross promotion between Men in Black and Spider Man because obviously they're both Sony. So、oh they yeah. Had them- They had them both interviewing each other about their respective films. It was very funny, worth a watch. Okay, noted.、Uh, so this week is the week of the companies that couldn't wait until E3 to share the news of their games.、Uh, but since it is E3 week, the news isn't that much. All of E3 will be covered next week, including the stuff with the Google Stadia. I know that was a few days ago now, but we're just going to keep it all together next week.、Um, But before I get into the the kind of release news,、uh, I saw this headline and just I just couldn't not. So the headline is, Ubisoft says avoiding messages is part of making more mature games. What? <laughs> As reported in GamesIndustry.biz, a senior member of staff at Ubisoft has come out to say avoiding messages in games is about making, and I quote, more mature games. So. Some headlines are kind of clickbait, and there is some interesting bits because I did have to sit after I, like I saw the headline. I was like, "What are you actually on?" I know a lot of people on Twitter <laughs> I've seen have used it quite as quite an easy slam dunk, yeah, on Ubisoft.、Um, but just going into some quotes from the interview,、um, talking about players, he says, "We want them to decide what they like, what they don't like, if and how they change their minds, or the way they play based on that information." It's about more freedom for the players, and I'm doing like those bunny ear quote marks with my hands. <laughs>、um, games should offer a 360 degree view of life,、um, and an interesting one is:、uh, we believe ultimately、uh, in the future, players should be able to go in the game world, have as many different experiences as they want, experience as many different political views as they want, as many religions as they want, as many fantasies as they want. Uh, he acknowledged that this approach could be causing people to sympathise with things we don't, things we know aren't necessarily the best things about society and the real world, but didn't see that as a reason not to do it. So there's a lot to unpack here. Yeah.、Uh, so first off,、um, I'm not sure if the、uh, the article headline is 100% accurate. Whether they mean making explicit messages, like not making explicit messages.、Um, But just to add some context to this, Ubisoft's the Ubisoft who make Watch Dogs to connect to what we were saying a little while ago. Yeah.、Um, the new Watch Dogs game is going to be set in post-Brexit Britain. Okay. Is so, this I, I, this is real, right? This isn't a parody. This isn't a parody. This is a real interview.、Um, right. And like I see some of the stuff he's saying, but games like this seldom exist. 
And if you're talking about narrative storytelling in any media, it will have messaging and themes of some sort, even unintentionally, even, you know, implicit. So, I don't know, what do you think? Well, surely someone is writing these these stories for the games, and do Ubisoft then go over the script and be like, whoa, none of these themes, please? That's the thing. They're, they're like, oh, we don't like to censor our, you know, creatives. And it's like... That's just sure. a very... That seems like a very naive statement, because, like... This whole thing comes across as either very naive or very, like... PR move because you know there's all yes. those people nowadays that are like I remember when this thing didn't used to be political why is it now political yes. about something that's always been political they were just too young or just didn't notice yes like Star exactly. Wars or, or Doctor Who or do- yeah yeah people have been kicking off right about the last season of Doctor Who so this um, feels like very much a PR stunt like kind of appease those sorts of people because I don't honestly think you could have even if the message is just ending the world is bad, your stance yeah. is that you're pro-world. Yeah. They can't... They also... It's not possible... I mean, okay, it's possible, but, like, how can you go over a script and be like, I'm just sensing a theme here. Can we just remove this general theme? <laughs> yeah, and unless it's a sandbox game, which literally has no story to it, yeah, there's going to be something in the story, like... Ubisoft have made games where, like, uh, it's what they're not Uncharted. It's their Far Cry series, where like the villains have been like eccentric millionaires and like the stereotype of like southern white supremacists and stuff yeah. like that. And you mean to tell me that that was just kind of a random out of the air choice, and they're <laughs> not trying to say anything with it? They're just like, we threw a dart at a board. And it landed on it. Well, what's interesting, at the beginning of all the... Assassin's Creed's all Ubisoft, isn't it? Yeah, and Assassin's Creed clearly has something to say. Well, at the beginning as well, it's, it's, I think it's good because uh, you, at the beginning of each of those games, it says, like, this was written by a multicultural team of different backgrounds and faiths and stuff. And, like, that's already, like, positive because then you're not sort of, like, you're not marginalising anything, marginalizing anything to, like, a specific group. Um mm. But but also like there are some messages in some of the themes of Assassin's Creed, which is like, yeah, the Templars are, are wanting to use the, the Apple of Eden for power and for and and to dictate over society. So that's that's by saying you're the protagonist working against that. That is suggesting there's a theme. <laughs> yeah. So this, I think this is just a naive PR play. Yes. Like. Yeah, it's a very, say, it's a, like, it's a very we, cynical thing to say, really, isn't it? Yeah, he's trying to like, he's like, oh, we we want to give players a full picture and stuff like that. And it's the more general you make a game, and ge- like the more general you make a game, the less the less anything it will be. Like, yeah, if you pick it from the beginning of a story, like, do you want to play as this guy who has this views or this guy who has this views? Surely, even that can't avoid making some kind of statement of how they both play. Just look at the one show. That is the most general show on television, and as a result, it is the least interesting show on television. Yeah, it's, and that, that it's, is... A, it's people an... going round, not making any opinions or statements or messages about anything. They're just talking to someone, and they're saying, yes, well, I make pottery for a living, and they can't say anything controversial about pottery, because otherwise it's no longer... <laughs> I don't know, it's just... It's just... No, yeah. We've got I know to have, you mean. Yeah. It's it actually you, you make me think of a good point, which is that all the all the best media has some sort of messaging in it. Yeah. Um, and it might be only might have only been pertinent in the time of which it was released, but that's why I think it's good in a way. That's why I think we'll never run out of ideas. Exactly. Is because the culture in which we live in will always change. So therefore, even the same idea in a different time can have a different impact. Exactly. So I I think this is just a... I just couldn't not put this in the news. It was just... I was like, my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, it just is daft. Proper daft. Proper daft. Anyway, going from daft people to 
don't know, cartoon, cartoon animals, I guess. Did you see the Pokemon Direct this week? I, uh... No. I, see, I think I saw some information about it, but I didn't quite... So, yeah, after following last week's kind of Pokemon Company's press conference where they announced all kinds of strange stuff, such as Pokemon Sleep, this was a very, very <laughs> standard 15-minute Nintendo Direct, just details about Pokemon Sword and Pokemon Shield. It's a big open-world kind of environment because it's now obviously on the Switch, which has a lot more power. Yeah, it's got this um, massive wilds area, which is like between the towns where you can see like Pokemon roaming about. It's really cool. That's cool. Um, so they've introduced some new Pokemon. So the one that got a lot of attention uh, on Twitter and in the popular culture was Wooloo. Wooloo. Which is a Wooloo, which is a sheep Pokemon. Nice wool. And, I get it. And when it's startled, it rolls away from its. <laughs> rolls away from danger so it's savage being named after the product that you become <laughs> <laughs> that's like I having mean, a that's like having like a cow pokemon called burgeroo or something <laughs> well the the sheep doesn't die when you take its wool no that's true <laughs> it's not like called like lamb chopperoonie or whatever <laughs> slippers um so, also, we're introduced to the appearances of the two new legendary Pokemon, which were both uh, dogs. Uh, one of them, I might actually find a picture uh, and send it to you, because I want your opinion. And I love I dogs. Um, so, I sent. this is actually all the new Pokemon, so highlight any that you think are interesting. I'll just put it in the Skype chat. Oh my goodness, uh, here are just... all the new Pokemon. But, so, one of them, for shield, is a wolf with kind of a shield built into its the front of it, and uh -huh. into its, like, face and chest. Wait a minute, and... I've seen all these starters before. Oh, those weren't new announcements. Oh, okay. Those are just all the ones they know of. I swear and they the... look very similar to, like, some previous starters as well. Well, these were previously revealed a few months ago. Oh, okay. The starters. Um, and the Pokemon, the legendary Pokemon sword is just a wolf with a sword in its mouth. Oh yeah, oh yeah, just seen him. And then yeah. I got, and then a wolf with a big shield beard. Yeah, so that's what I mean. Like at least the shield's kind of built into him, whereas this is just <laughs> a wolf that's found a sword. <laughs> um, so I think they're kind of more of the wackier looking legendaries we've gotten over the years. Good boys though, aren't they? Yes, they're good puppers. Oh, they're good boys. Who's um, a good dog? Zakian so and Zamazenta. Hmm. Nice. Uh, so the new the kind of... Obviously, we've had a few uh, mix-ups to the gameplay of the last few years. In um, Pokemon Sun and Moon, it was the Z-moves, wasn't it? Oh, yes. Um, so this time, it's called Dynamax. And to Dynamax a Pokemon means to make it massive. Ah, uh, Okay. So you turn them into like these massive Pokemon for battles, and it That's lasts fun. lasts three turns. So you kind of need to be a bit choice of when you use it. Right. But I thought it was quite an interesting thing because, yeah. as part of that, um, there's going to be co-op, like online playing yeah. together. And as part of this, you can encounter Dynamax Pokemon out in the wilds. Okay. So like these massive Pokemon, and it's like a raid battle. So the four of you to up to four of you together will like battle this massive Pokemon and then one of you will be able to catch it. Oh, cool. But following fighting these Pokemon, they'll then be available in like their smaller form in the wild. So I think it's kind of something like you only have to do it once. So right. if someone else got to do the capture, you then wouldn't have to do it like three more times. You could just probably okay. find a small one playing by yourself. Yeah. So that sounds I think fun. All, all in all, it looks pretty decent. Um, yeah, the new new Pokemon look Pokemon-ish. <laughs> I was going to say, there's there's people that every time new Pokemon come out are like, oh, these ones don't look as good as like the Gen 1 ones. And it's like, Gen 1 literally had a floating magnet. <laughs> I think each Gen has its really good looking ones and yeah. its really bland looking ones. I think Gen 1 and Gen 2 do have some ones which nowadays you would get those same people complaining if they if you they release today, you know. Yeah. Plus, like Gen One, you've you've kind of 
in any design, you've kind of got that simplicity. You've got that blank drawing board that you can just make like a shape, and it's kind of it's it's an original design kind of thing. Whereas like yeah, now you have to like stick loads of gimmicks to a Pokemon to make it look different. Yeah, and sometimes back then it didn't even need to be a shape. Someone just kind of scribbled on a piece of paper, and that became that. What is it, Tangella? Yeah, yeah. Look like at that. Ditto as well. Ditto is just a wavy blob with a smiley face on it. That's a doodle someone did during a meeting. Yeah. Or somebody was like, oh, "I need to submit my Pokemon designs," <laughs> and he's just like sweating, looking around, and just like draws a blob on a piece of paper. It's like, uh, have you got a new? Oh, and then the board meter comes in, and he comes and just like, "Oh yeah, have you got a new uh, Pokemon idea?" And he's just like, "Ditto," and that's his name. <laughs> It's called Ditto. Here's him. He's a blob. Uh, Go wild. What, he, what, what does he do? Uh, he's he's. Does he do this? Does he do this? Does he do this? Uh, yes, he does all of that. Yes, <laughs> he can. In fact, he can turn into any Pokemon you want him to. Genius. So yeah, I I think uh, it's. I I may pick it up. I and I enjoyed playing through Pokemon Sun. I didn't bother with the. Um, the Pikachu and Eevee games that came out last year for the Switch. Hmm. But, you know, might be might be fun. Yeah. Nardida with his Switch. So, moving on to the uh, other kind of smaller announcements, of which there are only three, because I'm guessing most people are waiting free free. Uh, first off, Ukulele is getting a 2D platformer sequel called Ukulele and the Impossible Layer. Cute, so, I like it. So rather than obviously the last one, which is like a 3D collectathon, this one's a 2D side-scroller. Um, it uses all the kind of same graphics and assets as the original. Um, and it looks fine. I think the thing is, because obviously I, you know, I followed this quite heavily. Just because ukulele wasn't like mind-blowingly good, I'm now incredibly cynical about it. <laughs> it was fine. That's the thing. It's not even a bad game. It just... I think, unless I was expecting it to be a hat in time good. Right. Shuffle yeah, well, good. Well, I mean, it's kind of... It's riffing off what's come before it, isn't it? It's um... And that's the thing. It's riffing off what's come before it and doesn't necessarily learn all the right lessons from it. I could really... No. If I really wanted to, I could make, like, an hour-long scripted video of just me pointing out stuff that I don't like, but I don't yeah. want to do that. I don't have the no. time. But uh, one of the things that was pointed out and what I do have a bit of a head scratch about is that as part of Ukulele's original Kickstarter campaign, which this is apparently completely separate from, um, there was there is meant to be DLC coming for Ukulele and apparently it's still in production. But this, I don't know, I'm not sure if it gets me the right way that this seems to be their priority. I mean, right. I get company needs to make money to survive kind of thing. But compare it to Shovel Knight, which is only now about to release its final DLC from its Kickstarter, and that game was released in 2014. Yeah. yeah. So I'm a bit sceptical. Uh, after Ukulele was Banjo-Kazooie, but not as good. I'm a bit yeah. concerned this might be Donkey Kong Country, but not as good. But I, the game looks fine. The mute soundtrack is obviously brilliant. It's by uh, Grant Kirkhope and David Wise. They're great composers. And I'm open to being surprised, but I've just got a bit of a chip on my shoulder about the whole thing. Next up in... And this is another sequel uh, of a game that I played. Actually, I haven't played this one very much, but I did enjoy what I did play. So a sequel to an indie game called Citizens of Earth, which was a game where you played this, the president of Earth and, your, and it was an RPG and your party members were citizens of your like area you hired that you like you bought them on board and right. you're fighting off an alien invasion mm. this is called citizens of space ah um where you're i'm guessing the president of space <laughs> and the earth goes missing and it's up to you to recruit your space constituents this sounds silly it i did enjoy what i played of the original it was very daft and very fun and this seems like it's appropriately toning up the goofiness for a sequel um so actually that comes out this month on june 18th so they kept that one quite quiet until pretty close to the end nice 
And finally, like I say, not much gaming news this week because it's E3 pre-free week, uh, is that Epic Games has actually collaborated with a dance creator on a new Fortnite dance. Uh, apparently they, they're they sick of getting lawsuits. From, wow. Uh, and claims of them stealing dances. So that's wow, kind that, of... That, that is a quiet week, isn't it? Yeah, I was going to say, this is it's, it's good steps, I guess. <laughs> Not to be a dance pun. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, it's, it, it's good that they are acknowledging that, obviously, the way they did it before of just kind of adding stuff. They're moving and grooving in the right direction. <laughs> uh. For God's sake. <laughs> but no, it's good that they're actually partnering up with these people who create these dances rather than just taking them. Mm. They, they were reaching Saturday night fever pitch with the amount of lawsuits they were getting. <laughs> All right, it's a bit of a stretch. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> So, if you follow us on Twitter, at Synod Podcast, and if you don't, do, uh, over the last week, I've been doing something that I've been calling hashtag Phil's X-Men Rewatch. So, what I, basically, we're going to be doing Dark Phoenix, we decided this when we were planning out the season, I realised that one, I hadn't seen Apocalypse, <laughs> and two, I couldn't really remember some of the X-Men films, because it'd been, say, at least three, Four years since I'd seen them. Yeah. So for 15 quid, I picked up an eight film Blu-ray set, uh -huh. which has uh, the original three, the beginnings trilogy, as the box says, which is right. Days of Future Past, um, First Class and Apocalypse, and the bad Wolverine films. All of them? Both of them. Oh, oh yeah, right. so it's... Eight films total, 15 quid. I don't think that was actually too bad. No, that's pretty good. Um, so you, it's, it. a, it's a bit of an X-Men fad for you, whereas I have been a fan since since the very beginning. I, 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 I even proclaimed that... Uh, was it Days of Future Past or Apocalypse? I think I, I think I proclaimed Apocalypse as my favourite superhero film when it came out uh, of that year. I think Not I remember you... I think I remember you trying, writing stuff in... Was that when we did, you, used to update the Synod blog more frequently? Yes, we did. That old that old chestnut. Um, well, we still write posts from time to time, he says. Cricket sounding in the distance. <laughs> um, now I've actually seen Apocalypse. Uh, you're wrong. Apocalypse is bad. <laughs> no, I liked it. The thing I is, was, I like... I thought it was, um, I, thought it was I, way better than, than Dark Phoenix. You're wrong. <laughs> what? No, you're wrong. Um, so, one, a few things I, I kind of got when I was re-watching the films. One, X-Men 1 is just kind of wild. Like, yeah. stuff just kind of happens. Yeah, but imagine uh, seeing that in 2000. That is like, that's the thing. For the yeah. era and the kind of themes it was going for, like, it reminded me of when superhero movies had to masquerade themselves as, like, serious films. Like, you had... Patrick Stewart and uh, Ian McKellen there doing very good performances. Yeah. And it was like, and obviously it's always been about, uh, had kind of the the analogy for human rights and stuff like that, which has always been really good. Mm -hmm. um, but no, you're wrong. Apocalypse, the villain is very forgettable. <laughs> stuff just kind of randomly happens in it. And it's such a mess. Like, it the best is a bit messy. The best X-Men films have been the ones that could actually focus to a single plot no i quite like the messy ones like i think days of future past is quite a messy film but i love it see that one i like it but that's probably the most mess i would allow <laughs> and that's not even too messy you've just kind of got the striker stuff randomly thrown in there yeah no day uh apocalypse has an entire like part of the film that takes place at alkaline lake purely to be like remember this from x2 Look, Wolverine's here, and it literally could have—it could have just not been in the film. It's just there's so little for Apocalypse to do as a villain. Yeah, but it was a bit of fan service, wasn't it? I guess. Which but there like, was none of in Dark Phoenix. See, here's the thing, and you may disagree with me on this, but the actress and actor who play Scott and Jean in the new films 
have way more to them than the original trilogy when no. they were just you are wrong on this you're you're making you're making my peaking levels go up on the microphone phil i'm gonna have to edit this because of how wrong you are <laughs> my peaking levels are going up as well um, because in the original like x-men scott as a character is purely there as kind of a as he's basically Jean's boyfriend. He doesn't really have much personality of his own. No. And then he just kind of dies in Last Stand. But do you not like that and, line where... In, is it the first X-Men where he's just like, how do I know you're the real one? You're a dick. Fair yes, enough. no, I did like that. <laughs> Whereas, like, whilst I like the foreshadowing that X2 does mm-hmm. for the Dark Phoenix storyline... I, like Jean was basically there as love and like a lot of the characters it was they were purely defined by their relationship to Wolverine and I thought that made the films pretty uh well X-Men and X2 very good because it gave them a clear focus and you had your clear lead yeah even if he was a world-class ham <laughs> um but I think they were they've definitely made more of an attempt given personality in Apocalypse and Dark Phoenix even if they just kind of randomly show up. And the performances and the directing, I'd argue, is not quite as... Uh... No, it's not as tight as it was in the originals. No. Should um, we... Yeah, let's, should we get on to Dark Phoenix? I was going to say, we could do an entire episode just arguing about the old X-Men films. Which we might at some point, but... <laughs> yeah. If we get drunk enough and violent <laughs> enough. It'll just be minutes of recording yeah. of a fist fight. Just <laughs> um, I liked Apocalypse! Um, yeah, I thought Dark Phoenix was not a very good movie. But it's not a terrible one. I'd say yeah, it's... Yeah, that's, bul- that's the thing. At this... I'm not sure whether it's commendable or not, that the X-Men films have kind of steadfastly stuck mm. to the, doing the same thing over and over for a long time. And I think the main problem I found with it is that it's such a... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's it's pointless. It's like a, um, it's a paradox of a film. In- because, inconsequential, really, isn't it? Yeah, because they're, they're remaking a film that they made what, 10 years ago, if that? Hmm. Just, and and the fact that they add virtually nothing new to it is, it's criminally paradoxical, in in, in my opinion, and, and that just kind of makes it very redundant. No, I don't think any of the characters go any further than they did on previous ones. Like, in the last, even in Apocalypse, like, I know you weren't much of a fan, but Jean Grey gets that kind of, she gets that, kind of arc in believing herself and by the end of it like she's she becomes one with the phoenix force kind of thing like this does that again yeah like, like i don't i don't think any character actually progresses any further in this film in dark phoenix i kind of like the fact that it's shown that between the two films scott has toned down and he's a bit more level-headed because when mm. you meet him he's a bit of a dick yeah and obviously his brother's a lot more prominent in these prequel films. And obviously he... And I actually felt a bit for Scott because he's had, like, everyone around him basically die. Yeah. Um, I think the problem with... And this extends beyond Dark Phoenix, problem possibly since Days of Future Past, is that a lot of the, the cast of these films have just been made up with who's popular. Yeah. Out of the X-Men. Because I was surprised when I saw Nightcrawler show up in Apocalypse. Yeah. I mean, I like Nightcrawler. Um, I like him. But if this is supposedly meant to be still at least tangentially relatable to the timeline in X-Men X2, hmm. it's completely bizarre that he just kind of randomly shows up. Hmm. I also miss a lot of those kind of... Um, I, I noticed on your Twitter you'd kind of put up these uh, these one-and-gone characters kind of thing. Um, like, I kind of, it kind of slipped my mind that Havoc was a thing in, like, the previous movies, and I think, like, uh, there was a... There's killing off characters sometimes just to kind of 
had some story beats, but like actually, I feel I feel like this film lost a lot of personality because of some of the missing players. I get what you mean, and mm. I think every film, basically since First Class, has been reaching and reaching and reaching uh, to find a reason for Magneto to even get involved. <laughs> um, yeah, some of the dialogue like this in this a... one when he just kept asking, like, whose blood is that? Whose blood is that? I Oh, okay. We'll, we'll move into spoilers in a minute, but, like, yeah, there's a, there's a lot like, which kind of... Yeah. Like I, I kind of it is something that I did like a little bit about Days of Future Past. As much as I did really enjoy those characters in First Class, the fact that it did give Mystique a good motivation that all of these people that she'd buddied up with had basically all died off screen. But like you say, there's some characters that turn up, and I was like, oh, I really like them, and then they just go on. And it's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> see ya. We we stuck with the same. Basically the same mutants that we had in the original trilogy, just not as good. <laughs> yeah, we got oh we got a new guy with dreadlocks who's on the poster for some reason. Oh, the one that can his power is just controlling his hair. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, because I looked at the poster as I came out of watching the film. Um, I, I saw on the poster that he was like this guy was was in it or like as quite a leading thing, and I was like. Who's this? Was he in the film? Does he have any lines? I don't know. I don't think so. And there's a... We get a new telepath as well who's in it for 30 seconds. It's just a bit... Yeah, it's just a very inconsequential film. I guess if you've read a lot of comics and stuff and you'll, you'll probably recognise a few sort of cameos from mutants. Um, there's one in particular who's, who's quite a cool cameo, but, like, no point in the movie at all, no plot points in the movie at all for her. Um... Yeah, it's just the fact that the fact that this is supposed to be the kind of round up to the franchise, I I think is going to dis disappoint a lot of people. I mean, I guess they didn't know they were wrapping it up because Disney bought Fox kind of towards the end of production of this, but eh. But my question would be then, how if say Disney didn't buy Fox, how much life does this really have left in it after 20 years? Mm. Yeah, you see, like they're you, you say closer to their last film than their first. No, but you say that, but like I, I, I think Logan proved and Deadpool proved, and that you can kind of you can expand on on X Men stories, and you don't have to do the same shit over and over again. Like, I mean, look at New Mutants. I kind of wish it was happening because at least it would be like an interesting thing, not not a conventional film with the same thing happening over and over again um yeah I, I was i was pretty disappointed from this one um that's the thing before we get go into spoilers whilst i thought it was fine and that's the thing i wouldn't go above fine yeah i would probably not even recommend it unless you're a hardcore fan and wanted not not you won't you won't even get closure you'll just be able to say you've seen them all yeah um, um logan if you want to watch the the closure to the X-Men universe that's been going for nigh on 20 years. Just watch Logan again. I was going to say the end of Days of Future Past does a pretty good job as well. Yeah, watch either Logan or Days of Future Past and either Don't of those. Don't bother with Apocalypse or Dark Phoenix. Yeah. And you I know, know you're going to try and no, fight me on that. No, you know what, that's fair because Days of Future Past is a way better ending. That's the thing, yeah. apparently, did you hear recently Matthew Vaughan was saying he wanted to do... This trilogy, um, and he wanted to do first class, then another film, probably Apocalypse, then Days of Future Past. That'd make a that'd been a better rounding off of the trilogy. Yeah, like bringing it, bringing it in line with the originals. Yeah. Um. And to be honest, like Matthew, like first class, I'd probably say is my favorite of the seven. X-Men films so we're not counting the Wolverines and we're not counting yeah. the Deadpools that's that's fair it's a fantastic film I think I'd just about put Days of Future Past above that but First Class is yeah it's, it's excellent um, I was when I was doing the tweet I was really really tempted to put like oh First Class is class but I was like no I'm not going to do that <laughs> you know that took place 30 years before this one 
And that's the thing. Have you seen that image that's going around saying what happened to Magneto in the 90s? Yeah. Because <laughs> it's like he goes from being Michael Fassbender in 1992 to being Ian McKellen in 2000. Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? Um, but yeah, just before we move on to spoilers, out of 10? I think we use a different ranking each week, but out of 10. <laughs> uh, no, we out of 10 is pretty standard for us, I think. I would say... 5.5. Okay. I definitely wouldn't put it above a 4. Fair. Um, okay. Spoilers from... Of... Sorry, yeah, go on. Spoilers from now. At the end, I want us to do like a ranking of all seven X-Men's. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I... spoilers from now. Take it away, Nick. So the, the big thing is Mystique dies. I mean, it's not really a big thing because it's... Even even this, which is which should be the kind of like linchpin of this film, it's the big sort of emotional moment. They gave it away in the last trailer. There's a bit where Mystique is is talking to Jean Grey, and everyone's saying like, "Mystique, don't go and talk to her." And then she says, "No, she's my friend. I'm going to go talk to her." And then the next clip in the trailer is a funeral. Yeah, no, that trailer gave it away for me as well. Yeah, because I was like, and also the because um, they show that bit of a. Uh, Hank and Charles in the kitchen. And I was like, Hank would not be getting that pissed off if it was anyone else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so like, oh, and, so. and that's the whole reason for Magneto getting involved in the plot as well. But then towards the final act of the movie, they asked Magneto, like, hey, I thought you were a bad guy again. And he's just like, nah, change of tune. I think he literally says something along those lines. Oh, he's like, I had a change of heart. Yeah. It's bollocks. That is like the literal line. Yeah. Um, there's some good action sequences in this film. I, I actually really like the space shuttle sequence. It's very interstellar. I like how hand-wavy the beginning is. Like, oh, we do space missions now, and also the president has a direct line to Charles. Yeah, the about... X-Phone. That was great. And that's... Although, the one thing... Cause, possibly because I have been just watching these films back-to-back is the fact that X-Men Apocalypse, it's all very much Mystique, who's like, oh, we need the X-Men. He's like, no. <laughs> and it's kind of done a complete 180, where she's like, why do we even have the X-Men? He's like, it's a status symbol for me. <laughs> Basically, so I, yeah. I, I, I can believe that possibly between films, the reality of it made their opinions shift. Like, he quite enjoyed the, basically, the public acknowledgement, and she's like, actually, doing missions is pretty shit. Hmm. Um, but that, yeah, that was, was quite a nice. Jarring. Yeah, that was quite a nice um, sort of reasoning behind that, and I guess they they kind of wrap that arc up to some extent. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just every everything just feels kind of it I happened. The, yeah, the actor who plays Hank, I think, as much as his character motivations are a bit skewed. I think he does a good job acting in that kitchen scene. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The um, he he genuinely seems pretty full of rage, and I I don't know. I just I'd quite like to see a bit more of the consequence, um, of Professor X's kind of ego because we see. In, in fact, I would say the Last Stand is probably a better movie than this because at least like you you kind of address the fact that he he cocked up in the past and like and it kind of it paid off and he. He got killed by Jean in the in in the Last Stand, and in this one, it's just like we seem back square one again at the at the end of this film, and uh, that's a, that's that's what makes it feel so inconsequential is that there's not really any major changes by the end. No. Um, oh, a couple know, of like... couple of cool things. Like as I said, I like the action sequences. I really like that's that uh, New York Street. Um, Fight. Yes, I was gonna. I was gonna say I, I enjoyed that, and actually, I did actually. I, I've always enjoyed James McAvoy's performance as mm. Professor X, and that's a scene where we get I, to see lots of powers as well, which is nice. Yeah, I quite like the fact that he was just there in his wheelchair, like messing with the fight from the side, like he could actually do something. Yeah. Um, I thought performance-wise, I, I, I think. I don't think Sophie Turner did a great job. <laughs> what is uh, Jean Grey? Yeah, like, maybe it was just the accent that was a bit off, but, like, 
I don't know, considering she's supposed to be like a, an emotional heart of this film as well, um, along with Cyclops. So yeah, I think Cyclops did a decent job. Jessica Chastain was massively wasted. Like, I, I love a lot of her movies. Like, Molly's Game was one of my um, favourites of last year. Like, she was in Interstellar. Fantastic actress. And she was in this, this movie for about ten minutes. Who does she play? So she's the inverted. She's the villain. Um, oh right, the blonde lady. Yeah, who I think was supposed to be a scroll in an original version, but then. That's what I've been hearing. I think in the Disney acquisition, that kind of they just they just became genuine. Genu- uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, generic. Generic, yeah, generic shapeshifting aliens. Yeah. Um... And also, this is the only X-Men film, to my knowledge, with aliens. Yes, it is. Yes, I'm pretty sure. And they just kind of rock up. Yeah. Um, yeah, the whole thing is... No, I think, like you say, there's good bits to it. The whole thing's a bit of a mess. Some of the character motivations are a bit off. Yeah. Um, yeah, I genuinely don't think I could recommend this to anyone. I would just say... Go and watch Days of Future like Past or Logan. If... Yeah, I like that Storm gets more to do than she seemed to when it was Halle Berry. Even if it is just zapping people with lightning. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I use as my example the scene in The Last Stand where it's foggy and Wolverine says, it's foggy, and she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> I got this. Clue. Yeah. <laughs> this, is the, this is my one thing. Here we go. Mm. Whereas in this one, yeah, in this one she actually gets to use that a little bit more. I think though, yeah, they've found better uses for her powers in the last two films than I think they did in the entire original trilogy. Uh, That's the thing. Even talking spoilers, there's not much to say. No, there isn't because I I don't know. Maybe it's because it's like the next superhero film after Endgame as well. Where I mean, I know not every film has to be as bombastic as that, but like. You're wrapping up a franchise. Like, Endgame is like so many arms in the air moments that you you feel very satisfied coming out of it. Whereas this is just like, hey, if you. In fact, the thing is, the people have invested, like, some in some cases, twice the amount of time with this franchise as they have with the MCU. And yeah. the fact that this is the best we get, it's just like. Uh, is that it? A film that we've already seen. A film which they weren't happy with how they did it the first time, so they're just going to do it again regardless. Yeah. No better than the original. But there we go. All right, do you want to go through the rankings? Yeah, who do you want to go first? Uh, you go first. I'm going to quickly jot them down. Yeah, I'm just having a having a think as to which order I'd put the bottom ones in. We're not doing the Wolverines, right? Or any spin so not not the Wolverines, although I'd imagine the first two would be in the bottom half and Logan would be at the top. Ye- yes. <laughs> the Wolverine much. may be around the middle just because it's better than some of the absolute worst. <laughs> um. Um, okay. Worst to best... I've still got to say The Last Stand is the worst. I'm going to put Dark Phoenix as the worst. Um, Apocalypse. After... Dark Phoenix. Okay. Um, the original X-Men. Bear in mind there is a big gap there. Uh-huh. Days of Future Past, X2, First Class. Mine is very similar, actually. I've got Dark Phoenix... X-Men 3, Apocalypse, X-Men, X-Men 2, First Class, Days of Future Past. And the thing is, all those top three are very close, and those bottom three are very close. X-Men is just slap bang in the middle of a void. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's definitely not close to the goodness of the top three. It's definitely not as, you know, close to the badness of the bottom three. So. Yeah. Um, well... And that concludes the X-Men franchise. Until it gets rebooted and added to the uh, MCU in about five years. Yeah, probably. If that. <laughs> 
Anyway, that concludes the episode. <laughs> You're still not used to rap doing the wrap-up, are you? No, that outro was about as satisfying as... Dark Phoenix. Dark Phoenix. Yeah, exactly. Nice one. Um, you take um, us home. Yeah, no, thank you very much for joining us for another episode of The Cynical Optimist. If you did go and see Dark Phoenix, let us know on Twitter. We can get an accurate estimation of the box office that way, because it's probably only a handful of people. Um, <laughs> if you do want to follow us, that's at Cinemark Podcast. If you want to follow me, it's at Haddowink. And I'm at Mick Nortimer on Twitter. Um, if you want to uh, see some other stuff from us, we've got Let's Plays on YouTube.com slash um, we've got more stuff in the works that we are slowly but surely putting together. And next week is the Cinequatomist Season 4 finale, where we will be covering all the news that is probably getting announced right now as we record from E3 2019. Until then, I've been Phil. And I've been Nick. Thank you very much for joining us as always. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.